Good morning, Journey. Always, always, always good to see you. Uh, yes, that is a tombstone standing right there for all of us to look at. Uh, I think tombstones are kind of interesting. It's this tangible, physical reminder of a life that has come and gone. When you look at a tombstone, there's oftentimes there's names, there's dates, and sometimes maybe even a little phrase that kind of captures the heart and the sentiment of the person that's passed on. I was looking at some of these online this week, and I saw a few that I felt like uh, it would be wrong for me not to share them with you. I want to show you a few tombstones that I saw. God was in that home. God was in that home. Next one. How awesome is that? Don't you just want to like hang out with John Yeast? I mean, that... Maybe it was just his family that was fun. Maybe not him. This was my favorite. (laughs) Tombstones. The common denominator so many times in a tombstone, like I said, is there's this date that a person was born. There's this date that they died. But then right in the middle, there's this little, little dash this tiny little dash that accounts for all of their life, all of their days that they lived, all of the hours that they lived, all of the breaths that they took, one little dash wraps up everything of who they were. Every one of us, friends, every one of us gets a dash. We all get a dash. I want us to sit back today and I want us to ask the question, what am I gonna do with my dash? Every one of us is gonna have a birth date, every one of us is gonna have an expiration date, but the question that we've got to ask while we're still taking breath is what am I gonna do with the dash? There's a verse from the wisdom literature of the Bible from the book of Ecclesiastes that talks about this, that says that smart people, wise people, they spend a lot of time thinking about this, thinking about the dash. They want to have the reality of their mortality in the forefront of their mind. This is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7.2. He says, better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. Really? Funerals better than parties? After all, everyone dies So the living should take this to heart. Now when I read that, I just think that just seems so counterintuitive. You give me two invitations, one to a funeral, one to a major rager party, which one do I think that I want to go to first? It just always seems like the party would be the thing you'd want to go to. Why would Solomon say wise people want to go to funerals? Because if we're going to invest our dash in the things that matter most, we've got to begin now with the end in mind. We've got to be thinking about what is going to be said at the end of our life. Begin with the end in mind. A couple of weeks ago, I had the incredible privilege to stand on this stage and be a part of a memorial for someone that was very, very dear to me, someone I'd grown to love. As part of the preparation for that Memorial, the family sat around and talked about my friend Steve. 
it was so good to be there. Because you listen to what matters. You listen to when the expiration comes. You listen to what matters to the people that are left behind. And what matters to people are people. People matter. As that family talked to his wife, his kids, his grandkids, friends, siblings, they talked about his impact on people, his investment in the lives of people, his generosity toward people. They talked about his hugs. He had the most amazing hugs, and I know good hugs when I see them. His willingness to look people in the eye and say, I love you. As I sat there and listened to people recount their stories of his investment in their life, their memories of him, it was all about the investment in people. You know what they didn't talk about? Nobody one time brought up net worth. Nobody one time talked about business success. Nobody one time talked about material possessions, personal achievements, none of that. It was all about people. Here's what I think we know internally, is that when everything is said and done, people matter most. The scripture verifies this. There's three things that the Bible talks about that are gonna last forever. God is gonna last forever. His word is gonna last forever. And people are gonna last forever. We know, I think, instinctively, intuitively, that people matter. So as we wrap up this series on the life of Moses, today we're gonna to talk about the death of Moses. We're gonna look at briefly the obituary of Moses. Because this was a leader who gave his life to a lot of people. A lot of people. Served people. Led people well. But I want us to think about, just even briefly, one of the greatest investments that Moses made. And it was in an investment that he made in the life of one person. And that one person was a young leader named Joshua. Let's read the obituary of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 34, 5 to 9. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him. Nobody else buried him. The Lord buried him. Moses was close with God, one that he had seen face to face. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. And then we see this picture, this picture of the passing of the baton of leadership to Joshua. Verse nine, it says, now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. Kind of this visual picture of, I'm passing the torch of leadership to the next generation. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded. Now this verse nine, talking about the passing of the leadership to Joshua, just doesn't do justice to all that happened throughout the life of Moses and Joshua together. Joshua, from the time that he was a young boy, was the assistant of Moses. So all these like iconic things that we see happen in the life of Moses, who was right there beside him? It was Joshua, watching, 
learning. Moses had his eye on the next generation because these transitions of leaders, they happen all the time. In life, in ministry, in business, transition happens all the time. But in the kingdom of God, when a man or woman of God fades away, nothing of what God wants to do in the world fades away. God's kingdom purposes, his plans for the redemption of this world continue. And it continues because people pass the baton to the next generation. This wasn't just something that happened between Moses and Joshua. We see this throughout the whole arc of biblical history. Batons being passed, generation after generation. We see it in the life of Jesus, handing the baton to the disciples and saying, you carry on this redemptive mission in the world. You build my kingdom. And we see the original apostles doing just that as they went out into the world and started to share this message and creating leaders and handing the baton to the next generation. And we watch throughout all of church history, baton pass, baton pass, baton pass. Friends, here's what you have to hear. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you've said, Jesus is my king, I belong to him, his spirit has moved in, taken residence in my life, and I'm listening to him, and I'm following him. If that is you, as a follower of Jesus, you have to understand, you have a baton. You've got a baton in your hand. What are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with your baton? What are you gonna do with the dash? Now, I've gotta tell you, as we look across the breadth of the church in America, these baton passes are not going well. And I don't wanna stand up here and, and, and make this as some kind of an accusation, but it is an observation. Looking at statistics all week long, just seeing how the church in America, generation after generation, is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Every generation that is engaged in the church is getting smaller and smaller. We are not passing the baton. But what is our role? What is our role in passing the baton to the next generation? I want us to look at four questions today for us to just try to get our mind around. God, what is it that you want me to do? How would you want me to be a part of passing the baton to the next generation? The first thing I want us to grab a hold of is just asking the question, what is God's plan? What is God's plan for this whole transition of leadership and passing the baton to the next generation? I want to look at a scripture and I think a picture from the Second Timothy, the beginning of Second Timothy chapter 2. Because I think in this, and I'm going to try to make a diagram out of it because I think it will give us a picture of what it is that God wants for us. Let me read the text and then I'll unpack it with you a little bit. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verses one and two. Timothy, my dear son, be strong. Be strong how? Through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Timothy, that's your strength. Then he goes on to say, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, Timothy, do this. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. If you can, I want you to have a picture in your mind. Paul is starting out, and he's talking about the grace of God. 
This is what we have our strength in. This kindness, this mercy of God that was poured out through Jesus Christ. His life, his death in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. God's kindness, that is our strength. Not our effort, not our trying to please God, not our moral performance. It is the grace of God. That is what we lean into in this life. That is our strength. That is our message. That is our baton, the grace of God. And Paul is saying, this is Paul here. Paul is saying, Timothy, you saw me. You watched my way of life. I lived out this life of grace. And Timothy, I passed it on to you. It wasn't just you. It was lots of reliable. You saw all the people around you, Timothy, that I invested in. But Timothy, I invested in you. I handed the baton to you. So now here's what you need to do, Timothy. You need to look around the world around you. Are there other faithful people? Timothy, where are faithful people around you? That doesn't look like an F at all. Now I don't even know what letter I'm on. He's saying, Timothy, look for faithful people. Give them the baton. Teach them how to live in my grace. Teach them how to walk in the rhythms of the life of Jesus. Show them how to do this. But there's a way, Timothy, that I want you to do that. As you invest in these faithful people, Timothy, do it in a way so that they will be qualified to invest into the lives of others. This beautiful picture of baton pass, baton pass, baton pass. This is the picture of God's plan. Now I just wanna say up front, this looks really simple, doesn't it? This picture looks simple, but I've got to tell you, this process is difficult. I mean, this looks just like multi-level marketing for Jesus, right? This is all this is. But here's the problem. All of these little circles, you know what all these little circles are? They're people. They're people just like you and me. And now if, if for every one of us, if our spiritual life and our growth in the things of God looked like this, everything would be awesome. It would be so, but this isn't how it goes. You know, you've seen your own life. You've seen the lives of people around you try to figure out how to walk this out, try to walk out faith. It, it, it's, it's just like this. It's all over the place. This is incredibly messy, incredibly messy. So if you think getting involved in passing the baton to people, passing the baton of faith and helping them grow in their faith is gonna be neat and tidy, don't even get started. You're gonna be so discouraged and disillusioned. It is messy and it's hard, but friends, it's worth it. We need to invest in people. But the next question that we've got to ask is what kind of people do we need around us? What kind of people do we need to invest in? The late Howard Hendricks talks about the reality that every person, every follower of Jesus needs to have three individuals around their life. They need a Paul, they need a Barnabas, 
and they need a Timothy. And when I say everybody needs a Paul, what I'm saying is, is that everybody needs a mentor. Someone that's at least a little ways down the road in front of them. Someone that is willing to invest their time and their life in you. They don't have to be even smarter than you, but they have to have lived in the laboratory of life just a little bit longer than you. And they're actually willing to open up their life and to let you see in. And to watch how they've processed things with God over time so that you can learn from them so that you can see their strengths, so that you can see their weaknesses, that you can actually look at how they live and begin to try to imitate their life, the things in their life that actually look like Jesus, following those things. We've got to have a Paul. And I will tell you right now, I think these are the hardest people to find of the three. But we've got to look hard for them. We've got to pray hard for them. There was a season of my life where there were years that I didn't have this kind of person in my life, but my radar screen was up all the time. God, would you bring somebody into my life? And along the way, I would find people that I would look at something in their life and I would say, I admire that. I want that in my life. I see that in them. And I just went for it. Grab a cup of coffee. Go out to lunch. Let me ask them questions. You need to look for Paul's in your... Paul's are probably not gonna hunt you down and say, hey, let me mentor you. But if you want a Paul in your life, ask. If you see something in someone, ask them to invest in you. We need a Paul. But we also need a Barnabas. I love Barnabas. Barnabas is not someone that's necessarily ahead of us, but it's someone that's beside us. This biblical character, if you know who Barnabas is, he was a buddy of Paul. Early on, when Paul, if you remember, Paul was Saul, he was killing Christians, and then suddenly he becomes a part of the Christian team, but not everybody understood that Paul was really legit. They're like, he was killing people, is he really on our team? Barnabas was the one who got his arm around Paul and defended him to all of the other apostles. Paul is legit, he is on the team. They were good friends. But Barnabas was also someone who was willing to stand up to Paul. He was willing to say, Paul, you're wrong on this. I think you were wrong. We've got to have a Barnabas person in our life. And I love the fact that Barnabas' name, his real name is Joseph. Barnabas is actually just a nickname of his. It means son of encouragement, meaning this is someone that's gonna get their arm around you and encourage you. These Barnabas-type people, these are people that love you, love you but they're not impressed by you. They're the kind of people that will go to the mat for you, but they're also the kind of people that'll hold the mirror up to you and say, you've got to see what you're doing in your life. They'll give you a kidney if they could, but they won't kid you about who you really are. We've got to have those kind of safe people that we can open up our life to and let them see in and respond to the things that are happening in us. We've got to have a Barnabas. We've got to have a Timothy. We've got to have a younger person that we're thinking about, I want to pass the baton of faith to them. Whatever little I've been given, I want to pass it on to them. I'm going to bring my loaves and fishes and try to invest it into another person. I want to encourage them. I want to affirm them, teach them, correct them, Direct them if need be. Pray for them. 
We've got to have a Timothy. And if you've ever tried to invest your life into the life of another person, you'll know this to be true. You will learn more than they will. Trust me. It's always true. You will learn more than they will. This isn't a martyr thing like I've got to invest in people. I've just got to do. You will get more than they ever will. Do it for yourself, if not for them. You got to have a Paul. You got to have a Barnabas. And you got to have a Timothy. Third question, what are some principles? What are some principles that I have to keep in mind? Here's all I want to say on this. I think there's two things that we have to hold together. One is that there's an incredible message of Jesus, this message of grace, but there's also a method of Jesus. This message has a lot of information in it, but if we look at Jesus's method, how he invested in the lives of others, it has to do with imitation. His message is information, but his method is imitation. Give them something that they can see. Oftentimes in the Western church especially, we are so focused on the message and the information, which is so important. We have to have this. We have to understand who God is, what he's like. How are we supposed to relate to him? How are we supposed to relate to each other? This is our playbook for that. But when we look at the life of Jesus in terms of how he invested this into the lives of people, it wasn't necessarily always doing this, talking to people, telling them what to do. Jesus said, come follow me. Come follow me. Start to watch my life. Learn the rhythms of my life. If we are going to invest in people, it can't just be information. We've got to give them access to our life. They've got to be able to see something that they can follow and imitate. There's no greater example of this than just the fact that God himself came to this earth to show us what does it even look like to live this faith out. He could have just given us the book, but John 1.14 tells us this. It says, so the word became human. The word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen. They saw him. They touched him. They watched what he did. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus didn't just say, hey, go live out radical love in action. He just said, come follow me, and we'll do radical love in action together. That's why when we talk about discipleship around journey, just the fundamental definition of discipleship, we say the same thing over and over. It's learning to practice, learning to practice the ways of Jesus together. We do that together as we learn to imitate what Jesus did, and we learn to follow people that are doing that themselves. Last question. I said earlier, this is hard. What are the pitfalls? I just uh, tried to imagine if I was sitting in the seats and uh, evaluating the things that I've already said, what would be the things that I would say that I would be resistant toward? First one that I would say is, I don't have time. I don't have time for anything else in my life right now. I mean, I'm up to my eyeballs. I'm barely keeping my nose above the water as it is. If I start making time and space for people, there's no way I'm going to get done everything that I need to get done. We're busy. 
I'm busy, you're busy, I understand that, we're all busy. So here's what's been helpful for me. As I think about how do I influence the life of another person, I want to think about how can I invite them into some things that I'm already doing? What are some things that I'm already doing? Here would be my hunch. Most people in this room probably eat between 14 and 21 meals a week. Snackers even more. What if this time, you're gonna spend that time in, what if you just started to involve people in a couple meals a week? Maybe there's a Paul person that you're thinking about in your life. I would love to ask them some questions. I would love to learn some things from them. Just say, grab a lunch, can we talk? Maybe there's a Timothy person or a Barnabas person that you want to connect your hearts together, grab a lunch, grab a meal together. You're gonna be doing it, invite them into the things that you're already doing. If you love to golf, take them golfing. If you love to fish, go fishing with them. If you love to work out, work out with them. If you love to have coffee or beer, have coffee, have beer together. Do the things with them that you're already gonna do. Second thing that I thought if I was sitting out there, I would question, do I really have anything to offer? Do I really have anything to offer another person? Because I know what it's like to live in my own skin, look at my own life, see all of my own problems and brokenness. You can just get to this place like, I don't even, I can't even get my own life figured out. How am I gonna try to help somebody else with their life and faith? Friend, bring what you have. A friend of mine posted something on Facebook, and I just loved it. Uh, I don't like everything on Facebook, but I love this. She said, one of my friends told me this week that I was hot. And she said, dot, dot, dot. Actually, she said I was a hot mess, but I'm focusing on the positive this week. <laughs> Isn't that how we feel? You know, it's, it's like, it, and when we really try to evaluate our life, we just think, I, I'm a hot mess. I don't know if I can pass it. But friends, if you are trying to follow Jesus, there are ways that he is working in your life, and those are the things that you need to pass on. to the, You don't have to have it all together. Friends, if, if you got it all together, you probably even, couldn't even lift it. You're not gonna get it all together. But you can listen, you can pray, you can encourage, you can ask questions. I started to reflect a little bit on, you know, I've been in ministry a lot of years now, over two decades of ministry, most of that with college students. Um, I was thinking about 20 years of ministry with college students. The things that they would remember years later when they would come back and talk with me. It was never that you were so smart, you were so wise, you were such a great communicator. Never anything like that. You know what are the things that they remember? They would say things like, I feel like you saw me. You remembered my name. You gave me your time. You listened to me. You looked me in the eye when you talked to me. These are the things of all the things that I'm trying to do in their life. Those are the things that impacted them. You don't need two decades of ministry and a seminary to degree to do those things. You just need to be with people. 
Give them a piece of your time. You don't have it all together, have to have it all together, but give what you have. The last thing that I think could be a pitfall for people, and I've just got to say, there's a piece of this that just breaks, it just broke my heart to actually write it down, but I believe that it's true. People in this room are so lonely. They feel like, I don't know anybody. You're talking about this, Paul, the Barnabas, Timothy, I don't even know anybody, and there's nobody that knows me. A friend of mine sent me some statistics that a health insurer did, just looking at this epidemic of isolation and loneliness in our country. 56% of people in this survey said, nobody really knows me. So let's just think about that. We're probably just a random slice of America as well. Half of us in this room would say, nobody really knows me. How do we start these kinds of relationships when nobody even really knows me? Here's my ask, friends. I know that there's some of you that you're not raising your hand, but inside you're saying, yes, that's me. What do I do? Here's my ask of you. Would you be brave? Would you be brave and try to move toward people? Maybe just create some opportunities in and around our church to be able to connect with people. Maybe it means joining a serving team so you can actually get to know the names of a few people that attend our church, that you could even invest in, that you could ask to go out to coffee. Maybe it's getting to be a part of a journey community, taking a risk and saying, I want to come and get to know some people around our church. I know that it's hard. I know that it's so easy to just walk in here and slip out and nobody knows me. I'm asking you to be brave. I know that I am, but I wanna ask you to do that. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a baton. You've got a baton you can pass. You've got a dash. You've got the opportunity to invest in the lives of people. You've got the opportunity to invite other people to invest in your life. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the baton? What are you going to do with your dash? I just want to ask you to set your things aside, and I want you to take just a little bit of time, and would you just ask the Holy Spirit that is here right now, that if you're a follower of Jesus, he lives in you, would you just ask him, to speak to your heart and tell you what is your next step to move toward passing the baton to the next generation. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak. Speak to our hearts. Give us a thought, give us a word, Give us a picture. Give us a scripture. What do you want us to do? We know that we're not going to solve this in one fell swoop. But every one of us in this room, Holy Spirit, can take one more step toward you, toward people, toward investing in the things that matter for all of eternity. Show us what that is. 
we're dependent upon you. We want to pass the baton. We want to make a difference in this world. We want people to know you. We want people to experience the freedom that comes from knowing you and living in the realities of your kingdom. God, help us to do that. Help us learn as a family here at Journey to pass the baton. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.